Good job, pulling that one together. All right, so we are continuing our series, Emmanuel. Some will spell it with an I, some will spell it with an E. As we've heard from Pastor Ian, it's like a New Testament, Old Testament thing, but it means the same thing, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we are going to turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. We're going to get right into it. So it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? Then the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible." Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, this story is actually absolutely crazy. I think we hear it so many times that we forget. This is the most famous unplanned pregnancy in all of history. Like this, this is crazy. But what's crazy as well is the angel comes to her and says, Blessed are you, Mary, highly favoured of the Lord, because I'm going to give you this child. And you think in our day and age, when someone says that I've got an unplanned pregnancy, everyone goes, oh wow, I'm so sorry for you. That's the worst news ever. That's devastating. And I'm like, what a difference. Can you imagine if this was in, in that time? I mean, there was other issues, you know, having um, not been married yet. But this is a great news. She's having a child and is a child, the son of the Most High God. Can you imagine being Mary, this, this young teenage girl? They reckon she could have been anywhere between like 12 and 16 years old. And they have this angel come to you out of nowhere. You're in little town Nazareth. Like Nazareth was a small city. It was like a passageway between Egypt and um, Israel and like people would travel through. And it was just like, it was like really, it's really low down as well. Like, um, one of the, like, the lowest cities that they have. So, and it's just a small little, little place. And then there's Mary and she's the one that the angel comes and visits and says, highly favoured to you of the Lord. And I think that's so cool is that God noticed her just in complete obscurity, just this young girl, just going about doing her thing. She wasn't from a wealthy family. She wasn't from some, um, you know, the aristocrat. She wasn't from the royalty or anything like that. She was just this, this young woman in this small town and people would have considered her a nobody, but God saw her and said, highly favoured are you of the Lord. And Jesus came to, through the world through her. Our Saviour, He humbled Himself. 
He began his life on earth by humbling himself. An angel in all his grandeur came to announce to a humble teenage girl in a small obscure town that she would carry the greatest King and the Saviour of the world to this earth. Isaiah 53 verse two to three says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. So this was written like 400 years before Jesus was born, 400, 500, 600, something around there. Huh? 700, there we go. Um, I always get confused between like the 400 year of silence and then the prophecies and I always mix up the numbers, but I know it's minimum 400. Um, But it's 700, there we go. So it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, which means like in other versions, NIV says he has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. The King of kings and the Lord of lords came down from earth to walk amongst us. And He did not come. Like Millie was saying this morning, I think she had a peek at my notes or something. Um, (laughs) He did not come in all His grandeur and splendour. You think God made all creation. So He made, you know, the top models in this world. He made the most attractive looking people. So He could have chosen to come in that way as well. He could have chosen to come as the most attractive looking person on earth. He could have chose to come, like Millie was talking about, He could have chose to come on a horse. He could have chose to be born into the royal family. He could have chose to grow up in riches and luxury. He could have, and He would have deserved every bit of that. But our God, our Saviour, He chose to come in the most humble way, to come to a small town, to come in the form of a child and to be raised up and to walk amongst us. He did not come as we expected and that's why many didn't accept Him because they were looking, you know, for this, you know, um, grandiose King, you know, like with all the bells and whistles. They were looking for Him with this, you know, to have a crown and to have riches and all these things. But Jesus came humbly. He chose to shed those things to be with His people, which is so amazing. And when the fact with Jesus is when He was finally crowned, He was crowned with thorns in humiliation. You know, when Jesus was finally recognised as King of the Jews, it was a sign hanging above Him as He was suffering and dying on the cross. That's the life that our Saviour chose to live. He came not as a king, even though he was the king, but as a humble servant of all. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 11 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, and let's be really clear about that, because there's so many other similar religions that try and, you know, they have Jesus in their doctrine, but they don't recognise Jesus as Lord. He's not a messenger of God. He's, he's not an angel. An angel is a messenger of God. He's not a prophet of God. He is God. Who, being in the form of God, He is the Christ, the anointed one of God, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. It's not that He wasn't God, but it's because He chose to make Himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. So He was fully God and fully man. 
And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also was highly exalt, has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, if He was just a servant, if He was just a prophet, at the name of Jesus, every knee would not bow. But it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess what that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How good is that? Take a moment to think about it. You know, we've, we hear all these stories. They're like, oh, Romeo and Juliet is the greatest love story of all time. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a bunch of stupid teenagers. I'm sorry, I love teenagers. But in this situation, they're just literally, they're just lusting after each other and making dumb decisions, not thinking rationally. And it is not a great love story. It's just an act of stupidity. That's what that story is. Titanic, greatest love story of all time. No, it wasn't. Rose was selfish. She had plenty of room on that door. We all know it. But she just let him go, okay? She was like, look, things could, like, what if we fall off? I just need to make sure I'm comfortable. I've got space here. I'll never let you go, Jack. Jokes, I'll let you go. It's not a true love story, okay? We say all these things are great love stories, but no, the greatest love story of all time is what Jesus did for us. He gave up everything. He gave up the greatest throne. I'm shedding hair everywhere. I'm so sorry, people. Um, He gave up the greatest throne of all, the greatest grandeur of all to be with us, to humble Himself, to be with us. And I think of even Moses, because Moses in the um, Bible, he was like a story that foreshadowed Jesus to come. You know, in Moses, it was the same situation where all the baby boys were being killed by the Pharaoh, just like Herod tried to kill the baby boys when Jesus was born, because they knew that there was gonna be a deliverer was gonna rise out of the Israelites, just like how God sent a deliverer as Jesus Christ is one and only Son. And, but what the difference is here is that Jesus' family had to flee to Egypt and hide out and they came back to Nazareth. But Moses got to go into the palace and be the Pharaoh and live in this amazing way. And Moses went from obscurity to being a baby growing up in a palace and in royalty. But Jesus chose not even to do the Moses way, you know, have a humble family, but go into the palace. Jesus chose to remain that way, to, hum- to grow up in the humble home of Mary and Joseph and be raised in that tiny town called Nazareth where he knew he would be rejected by those people because they became too familiar with him as just Jesus next door, the kid we saw growing up, that they couldn't recognise him as the Son of God when he began to reveal himself. And even through his ministering life, he didn't have all these great things. Jesus lived on the road. You know, he was going from town to town. He didn't even have a, he didn't have a home when he started his ministering life. He was just walking from town to town and, and, um, and just being provided for through, um, through God and, and the provisions that he gave through other people. You know, Jesus literally gave up everything and lived such an uncomfortable life so that he could show us that He could be with us, that He could live the life that we live, that He could experience our pain, that He could um, come to know us and have relationship with us, show us the way to live and then live that perfect life so that He could die on the cross and take our place. He was not like the royals. You know, when the angel declared His name would be Emmanuel, God with us, it didn't mean that Jesus would stroll through the town. You know, you see, um, I've been watching The Crown as well and I think of all these moments. I remember even when... um, 
Kate and William um, came to, to Elizabeth and you just see like people like line the streets for the royals. And I remember when the king had his crowning and people like millions of people lining the streets and every turn on the TV, they just want to get a glimpse. You know, they're not even going to touch his hand because he's in a carriage. But some people are just like, I just want a glimpse. I just want to see them. And they'll wait for hours and, oh, he waved at me. Wow. You know, Jesus was not like that. He wasn't going through towns. Hi, peasants. How are you? Uh, I'm God amongst you all. Good to see you. All right, I'm going back to my palace. That's not how Jesus came. He came in such a humble way that He just walked amongst people. He ate at the table of tax collectors um, with sinners. He invited everyone in and was just amongst everyone. And I just love that so much about Him because He could, He could have done that. Hello, peasants. Because we are the peasants, you know. <laughs> but He chose not to. He chose to humble Himself. Experience what we experience. And as Matthew 20, 28 says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. What kind of God is it that we serve? That He, was the great, he is the greatest of all and made Himself the least so that He could show us His mercy, His love, His grace, His redemption, that He could walk amongst us. The second thing is face to face. What God? Like when you think of God and all His greatness, how can you possibly think that He would give it all up and calm down and even see us face to face? You know, I think of all these, you know, again, these great people, like celebrity, like, you know, people that have got big names, celebrities, they'll just sign a piece of paper and send it out to you, or they'll have a quick picture with you and then send you off, but you paid like $1,000, you know, to stand with them kind of thing. A lot of, um, you know, a a lot of famous people, busy people, well-known people, they have other people come and see you on their behalf. But the King of Heaven didn't send someone else on His behalf. He came Himself to see us face to face, to look humanity in the eyes. How incredible is that? And I think, and we don't even understand the significance when we go back to Exodus in chapter 33, verse 18 to 23, we see Moses and and Moses says to God, please show me your glory. And it says, then he said to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. No man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And if we were to see God in all His glory, we would die. <laughs> and there's, there's a few incidences of that happening throughout the Bible as well. So we know it's serious business. If we would see him in all his glory, he would die. You know, in this day and age um, that they're talking of was the day and age where they had the temple with the Holy of Holies. Like people, when they touched the Ark of the Covenant without doing all the special procedures and they weren't the right person, whatever, they died. There's there's stories of that where people reach out even to save the Ark from falling because they slipped and they touch it and they're not supposed to touch it. They die instantly. 
They couldn't go into this place, the inner, inner parts of the um, temple, the place called the Holy of Holies. Only one priest could do that once a year and he had to go through a purification ceremony to do that and it had to be the right person from the right tribe and, and, and bring the blood sacrifice and had to do all the right things. And when they send them in there, they send them in with a rope around them because there could be a chance that things, they didn't do things right or you know the president goes too powerful and then they'll just die. And so they have to be able to, Pull them out, you know, because <laughs> if they go in, they'll die as well. And this is the thing. It's because God is so holy. He's set apart. He's without sin. We're not worthy to step into His presence. It makes sense when God says, you see my face, you'll die. Like you see me in all my glory, you'll die. And I'm like, wow, you know, we cannot stand in His presence because we are not holy. Without Jesus' blood to cleanse us, we are not holy and we cannot stand in the presence of God. So for God to be with us, to walk amongst us, to be able to see us face to face, to humble Himself to a place where we can actually interact with Him, where humans could actually interact without dying, like that's so incredible that He would do that for us. It's the most incredible, extraordinary gift that most people up to that time were not privy to was having that personal relationship, being able to sit at the dinner table with Jesus, have a conversation with Jesus, with God, because they would have priests who would go and, and, and do those things on their behalf. Or they would stand in the outer courts of the temple, but they would not get to experience the fullness of the presence of God. Until 2020, 2023 years ago. And from that moment when Jesus died, the temple curtain tore in two. And what the significance was, it was a chunky curtain. It was a real fat curtain that separated people from the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died, that temple curtain tore in two, signifying that Jesus didn't just come to walk amongst us for a short period of time, that only a few exclusive people got access to Him, but He tore the temple curtain in two because He said, because of what I have done for you, I'm giving everyone access to the Father forever through me, through Jesus and what He did for us. We have unrestricted access because Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 64 verse 6 to 7 says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We, are, we all fade as a leaf, and all our iniquities, like the wind, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take a hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. You know, Isaiah, this is Old Testament. He's talking about us, you know, no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we try to do good works or be right. You know, you hear so many people in life say, I'm a good person. No, you're not. No one is good. No one is good because what does God say? All our righteousness is like filthy rags before Him. What we think is good and what we judge is good is from the judgment of a sinful person. And so what we bring to Him in our righteousness and our understanding is filthy before Him. We cannot have relationship with the Holy of Holies coming to Him in absolute filth, in filthy rags and our filthy um, understanding of righteousness. But 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, For He made Him, so God the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, to become our filthy rags, to become our filthy works, that we could become 
the righteousness of God, that we could be clean, that we could be holy, that we could become the righteousness of God in Him, in Jesus. How amazing is that? Romans 8 verse 14 to 17 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received, remembering you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, there's nothing you could do, you cannot be a good person to get this. This is the greatest gift of all time. You received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself, we couldn't call Him Father before because we were estranged. We had to be adopted back in because of what we did. We separated ourselves from God in our sin, but He has adopted us back in, that gift of adoption. We've received the Spirit of adoption so we can now call God the Father again and have that closest of relationship. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. How crazy is that? Not just children. We don't just get to call ourselves God's kids, but we get to be heirs of God and joint heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Because of what Jesus did for us, He said, you cannot just come back into the family as a little peasant, you know, like the, the lowest status, like a Cinderella in our family where we've got two classes in our family. No, you get to come up here and be a joint heir with me. You're coming back home and you're gonna inherit everything that I have. This is what Jesus was offering to us. You don't get the filthy rags, you get a clean life. You get robes of righteousness. You don't get second class citizenship in, in, in my family. You get to be a joint heir. How amazing. The greatest gift, we received it. We did not earn it, we did not deserve it, but Jesus gave it to us. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. You cannot have a true close relationship with a Father that you never see and you never know and you can never spend time with. And God knew that and He wanted it. He wanted it so badly. He wanted it so badly with us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. He so loved us that He wanted to make a way for us. He wanted to have relationship. He wanted to know us. And that's why He came. I, f- I feel like that's, that's part of it. That's part of the magnificence of God, the incredible grace of God, the incredible love of God is that He didn't just, do a, he didn't just come and then just be like, all right, I'm here, I'm dying, I'm done. I'm pretty sure He could have done that. But He chose to walk amongst us. He chose to get to know people. He chose, like I said, to to know all kinds of people from from the rich people to the poor people, to the people that people considered the worst of all, the traitors. Like if you look at his discipleship group, you know, what a crazy bunch of misfits. I love it because that's exactly who we are. And he wanted relationship. Not just to give something and be distant, but to come close to us, restore our relationship with the Father, that He would cleanse us by His blood, He would clothe us in His righteousness, that He would atone for our sins, He would bridge the gap between us and God the Father, that we can know Him as Father again. And we can have relationship with Him. We can know Him like Moses, face to face. Hebrews 4 verse 15 to 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, but in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He came to suffer with us. 
You know, I love that moment where Lazarus dies and it's like, Jesus even knows what's gonna happen. That's why He was in no rush to go see Lazarus when He had other things to do. Even though He knew He was dying and then He was dead for like four days. And Jesus is like, okay, now I've rocked up after He's been dead for, for quite some time. He's very dead. But he was, in, he was in no rush because he knew. But yet when he found out that Lazarus died, even though he knew what he was gonna do, he still wept. He still wept, he still felt the pain of those around him. He still grieved for what others were feeling. You know, you see that with Jesus throughout His ministry, the way that He comes alongside people. He doesn't, he doesn't approve people's sin, but He's not condemning them and going, you're the worst person ever. What He's doing is He's calling it out and saying, but look, I've given you a new way to live. He's encouraging them and giving them hope and grace to move forward and to walk in the way that He's given them. He's not a great high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, but in all points He was tempted yet without sin. He showed us the way so He could forever be with us. He brought us the greatest hope and He showed us a new way to live. It wasn't Emmanuel, God with us once or God with us for now or God with us for a little more, but Jesus was God, Emmanuel with us forever because of what He did on the cross. Where we once couldn't enter the Holy of Holies, we couldn't enter the inner courts, but because of what Jesus did, the Holy Spirit, God makes a home within us. He makes our bodies become His temple. Our body becomes the inner courts that He can actually, not just that we can enter, but actually He can enter in to our lives. How crazy is that? That's what 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 tells us that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did for us, because He came to clean out the temple. He came to clean us out, to make us new, to wash us clean, to make us whole, that we could have restored relationship, that God could dwell in us so that we could every day walk with Him every day of our life. So I just wanna remember as we come into Christmas days that God came to be with us. God came to be with us. What's so crazy is that people don't wanna be with Him. People don't wanna be with Him. And there's a few things. And the first thing on that is that we think about that with other people. We go, oh, well, they got things on and blah, blah, blah. Do you know how many lonely people there are on Christmas? Christmas is one of the easiest invitations. One, because so many churches don't do Christmas day service, which is so sad. But secondly, it's just people just don't. The amount of people I talk to, I went to a work Christmas party recently. And I'm like, so excited, I love Christmas. And we've got great family gathering and everything. And like, you know, obviously church in the morning, which is my favourite part of the day. Such a great way to start Christmas. But I'm talking to people like, oh, what's your plans? What's your plans? And everyone's talking about how miserable they are about Christmas. Oh, because my family, this person's like, well, my family's divorced. And then my family's divorced, so I'm going to four Christmases and everyone's fighting and that person doesn't wanna see that person, that person doesn't wanna see that person. So I have to go here, then here, then here, then here. And I hate it and it's the worst. And then another person says a very similar story. And then another person says, oh, well, I've actually got nowhere to go on Christmas because all my family lives overseas. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so sad. So sad. But you know how easy the invitation is? I looked at this one guy who said, I've got nothing to do on Christmas. And I said, I've got plans for you, mate. And he said, what? And I was like, give me your phone. He gives me a phone and I get out his notebook, um, like note, phone notes, and I just write in 25th of December, 16 to 22, Clayson Road, Salisbury East, Freedom Church, Salisbury. Be there, 9 a.m. Here's my phone number if you get lost, and uh, I'll see you there for Christmas Day service. And he goes, Oh, oh, okay, I'll come, I'll be there. And I was like, Done, I'll see you there. And I'm like, How 
how easy was that invitation? Literally, I wasn't even sure how it was going to go because this person's from a Hindu background as well. And I was like, well, I can out because that's literally what he said. He's like, oh, well, you know, the only friends I have here, like, they don't really celebrate it. I'm not really a believer in stuff because this is my family background. And I was like, well, just come anyways, <laughs> you know, here's your offer. There's so many people out there, you know, we don't, and I think it comes from this place where it's like, we're not even that into Christmas Day, where we don't even really care that much because we get so caught up in that, that we forget to invite other people. And we forget how much people need to know the actual reason for the season. You know, I had this lady that I used to work with and she was awesome. Like she was not even a believer, but every Christmas, and she would yell it out so loud that the whole office could hear. She'd see me and she'd go, Ash. She'd grab my arm and she'd like, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I was like, you are right, my friend. You are very right. And she would say this to me every year over, over and over again. She's not even a believer. I'm like, but she gets it. You know, she gets it. She understands. And so we need to remember that Christmas Day, God came to be with us. So we, we need to be with Him. You know, we need to make an effort to, to be with Him and want to be in His house and be a worshipping. But it starts with also inviting people. You know, we, we've got to invite other people. They want to be here. Like what joy does Santa and stockings and all these things bring? Like Santa brings lots of enjoyment to a kid with a great imagination, but doesn't bring enjoyment to an adult. Like well, adults like, yeah, Santa! Like we're not elf, like in that movie, you know? It's, and, and, and like so with all these family dramas and stuff, it can actually be a really tough time for people. But if we bring them in to actually show them the real meaning of Christmas, the joy that no matter what's going on in your family life, no matter what your plans are on Christmas, is if you know what it's all about and who came and the greatest gift that you have been given and remember that on Christmas, how much joy, what a great day, how exciting is that? But the other thing is just for us as believers, it's like I said, it's crazy to think that so many don't wanna be with Him and sometimes we don't even recognise that because we just go through the motions. You know, I know that the 25th of December is not the exact day of Jesus' birth, but it's the day that the whole Western world stops to celebrate it. And I think if the church is not that enthusiastic about celebrating it, then then it really is just a commercial holiday, isn't it? It really is just a public holiday. I know our government in South Australia is trying to make it just not Christmas day, just the 25th of December public holiday. And I'm like, well, they're right, aren't they? If that's how we respond to it. If we say, well, I can't be at church on Christmas day because I've got a turkey to cook or I've got family coming over or I've got a Christmas brunch or something. You know, like there's so many excuses that we make or I'm tired or this is my, you know, fifth service I've been to or I've been to heaps of carols. So it makes up for it, doesn't it? I'm like, to be honest, I think that none of it means anything if on the day, the very day that you're meant to celebrate it, that you just go, meh, you know? And I think of it this way, if it makes a bit more sense. If you've got all these events leading up to your birthday and you know, you have a party here and this and that and that, but on the day of your birthday, nobody says a word to you. How would that make you feel? I know some people are like, ah, oh, I don't care, it's my birthday, whatever. But I think a lot of people be like, oh, no one even acknowledged that it was my birthday today. On the actual day, you wake up in the morning, you're like, anyone, anyone, anyone? Okay, cool, yep, let's just go on. And this is what we can do sometimes. Christmas Day, it's about Jesus. And when you come 
into the house of God, Emmanuel God with us. So let us go, well, you gave up everything to be with me, God. I'm happy to give up a Christmas breakfast to come be with you and I'll rearrange my schedule. I'm happy, God, to risk potentially my turkey burning a little bit, being a little bit crispy, if it means I get to start my day worshipping you. You know, Jesus, I'm gonna, you know, my kids, I'm gonna teach them that we'll save presents all after church or they get one gift and we open the rest later because being in the house is our priorities, worshipping Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, putting Him first. We wanna be here in His house, celebrating and worshipping and honouring Him because He came down to be with me. And so I wanna give my life to be with Him and to honour Him and to worship Him. And not just the Christmas day, but just remembering over this time period as well, is it gets really crazy. It really does. It is. There are so many events, so many things going on, Christmas shopping, people are cranky. It is crazy and it can get very overwhelming. But remember, like my dear friend from my old work said, Jesus is the reason for the season. So don't let your time with God become less. Don't let your focus shift away from Him. Really take this time to reflect. You know, am I bringing, am I like the wise man? Am I bringing my gifts to God? Am I bringing my time? Am I bringing my energy? Am I bringing my focus to Him? Am I spending time in prayer? Am I spending time reading the Word of God every day? Am I spending time, you know, with Him? Am I making this season about Him? Or am I making it about all the demands of my life or about me or about my family or about my holiday or about, you know, whatever? Ask yourself that question. Is He the centre? Is Jesus the centre of my life? Is Jesus the centre of this time? Am I honouring Him? Am I putting Him first? King of kings and the Lord of lords. I just wanna ask you this question today. You know, maybe there's some people here in this place that you don't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus and you've walked away. I know many people in this time come come back and they're searching. And so I always wanna make sure we give that opportunity. So I just ask everyone in this place, if you can just close your eyes and just bow your head, just to give some people a bit of moment of reflection, a bit of privacy. That's why we ask this question is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Do you have a relationship with Him? Maybe it's even the first time that you've heard that Jesus gave up heaven's throne to come down and to walk amongst you, to humbly walk amongst you so that you could have everlasting life with Him. You could know Him. Well, today is your opportunity to know Him, to invite Him into your life. And so if that's you and you wanna have a relationship with Jesus, just encourage you right now just to raise your hand and I'd love to pray with you. I just encourage you too, church, to think of that person. If you've got a relationship with Jesus, think of that person as well right now in this moment that needs to know Jesus in your life. Let this moment be a moment of reflection. Who do I need to invite for Christmas Day? Who do I need to invite to church? Who do I need to be praying for to to know Jesus? Where have I lost sight of that? I'll just ask quickly one more time. If there's anyone here that wants to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, I just encourage you just to raise your hand and love to pray with you. Amazing. All right, so I just want everyone in this place just to stand to your feet. So we're singing, you know, we've been singing this song about, you know, God, you reign forevermore. You're the Prince of Peace, you're the Lord of Lords. But how can He be the Lord of Lords if He's not Lord over your life? Because Lord means Master. 
makes you the servant. God, when we're calling Him Lord overall, then He's also Lord over our life. God, we wanna submit to You. We wanna serve You. We wanna honour You. We wanna put You first in our life. We wanna make You the centre of everything we do. We wanna obey You, all those things. And maybe there's some people right now, it's okay if you've been a believer forever, like, or, you know, for five seconds. But sometimes we get our priorities mixed up or sometimes it gets a little bit overwhelming and a little bit difficult. And I just wanna give you this opportunity right now as we sing this song, it's like, hey, like, hey, you know what? I just need to make a little bit of adjustment. Hey, you know what? I do need to spend some more time in prayer. I do need to spend some more time reading my Bible. Hey, actually, maybe I do need to rearrange some of my holiday plans to put Jesus first or whatever it is. I just encourage you just to come down the front to make this moment. This is the altar. This is where you lay things down before God and you say, hey, God, I'm giving these things over to you. I want you to be first. Lord, would you direct my life? Would you be first? God, you came to be with me. So God, right now, I'm choosing to be with you and to commit my life to you put you first. So if that's you, I just encourage you to come to front or if there's anything you need prayer for, then you're welcome to come. But we're just going to finish by singing this song.